Well, this is a very interesting uh, Torah portion this week. You know, overall, this is about our, uh, our heritage, our parents, who is our mother, right? Uh, in the big picture of this Torah portion, uh, we learn who the, uh, the mothers of, uh, of Israel are. And it's kind of interesting uh, because... When we read like our Mishaberach here, when it says, uh, He who blessed our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, you know, there's a few names left off, right? Bilhah and Zilpah are, are, are left off. And that is rather interesting because what we do read uh, here is that uh, there are four mothers uh, of, uh, of, literally, of Israel, of the sons of Israel. Right? There is Leah, uh, there is Rachel, there is Zilpah, and there is Bilhah. Uh, and so that raises all kinds of interesting issues, but I just wanted to, uh, to say that because sometimes when we study the Torah portion, we, we, uh, we learn some specific things, but we might miss uh, the big picture. But that's what we have here about the mothers of Israel. But there's something else here in, in our portion this week, which is really true about the, the Jacob story, the Jacob story in, in the Torah. You know, Jacob, I am the apologist of Jacob. You know, uh, to me, Jacob is, just look in the mirror. Uh, and what I mean by that, and I don't mean by that something, uh, you know, look how bad we are. No, no. It's look how blessed we are. Uh, Jacob gets a bad rap. Oh, that Jacob. Oh, that Jacob, that one who stole that blessing. Oh, that Jacob, he got his when he went uh, to Haran, right? Oh, look, look what he did to, you know, he, uh, he tricked his brother. Laban tricked him, then he tricks Laban. Oh, you know, he's that trickster He's that, uh, that, that, that one who, uh, despite himself, uh, you know, God, uh, God did some good things for him. But it's very interesting. That is the common understanding amongst everybody, <laughs> just about. Uh, when you read, uh, whether it's a, a Jewish commentator, a Christian commentator, there is a lot of accentuating the negativity uh, when we read the narratives, uh, seemingly, of Jacob. But what's interesting is that in the text itself, if we ob observe the text, right, that the, you know how there's a, there's a narrator in the text, right? Uh, for example, uh, when you read uh, in Breshit and you go to chapter 25, it's a little bit of background here on what's going on in the Jacob story, okay? So, in chapter 25, that's where we're introduced to Jacob and Esau, and that's where, uh, you know, Jacob is uh, making the porridge, and, and Esau comes in, and he's famished, and he's dying of hunger. You know, that raises... If we were sitting around a table and we had hours, that's interesting. Was he dying of hunger? Like he had eaten in 50 days or something, you know? But anyway, he was very hungry, and, uh, and we see that it seems that Jacob makes a deal to get the birthright, right? Now, 
When you come, though, to the end of the chapter, there's a verse, the last verse of chapter 25, that gives us an explanation of why we have, what, of what, what this is telling us. Okay? So what does it say uh, in verse 34 of chapter 25? Then, Jake, this is after he gets the birthright, right? Jacob says, first swear to me, so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then it says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. And then you have these last few words. Thus, therefore, Esau despised his birthright. Esau hated the birthright. Okay? Esau could care less about his inheritance of land. Esau could have cared less about his namesake. Esau could have cared less. That is what this is telling us, that Jacob would do anything for the blessing, and Esau could have cared less. You don't read here in, in the uh, narrative in Genesis, in Breshit, about, oh, that Jacob. No, what you read is about, oh, that Esau. That's what we read here. But that's not all. I, uh, when um, I, you come to chapter 26, in the next chapter, okay, I, at the very end of the chapter, the, the chapter division is not so good here. I, verses 34 and 35 of chapter 26, the last two verses of the chapter about the wells, the chapter about Isaac, and Abimelech, and the, and, the, and the wells, and digging wells. At the very end, we have in the text two verses that don't seem to have anything to do with that, but they serve as an introduction to the whole thing when Isaac is old, and Rebekah tells uh, Jacob to dress up like Esau and, and go get a blessing from his father. The introduction to that story is the last two verses of chapter 26. And this is, what they, uh, this is what they say. And when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basmath, the daughter of Elan, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. That's what we read as an introduction, because the very next verse is the beginning of chapter 27 that says... Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, and he said, here I am. Okay? Uh, but the introduction is for us to know, the reader of this story, to know that Esau gave his parents grief. Okay? So, so far now what we know about Esau is from the narrator is that uh, he despised his birthright he married Hittite women, and he gave, and therefore he gave his parents grief. Okay, all right. Uh, now, in uh, chapter twenty-seven, in uh, verse twenty-seven, this is important. This is the blessing that that uh, Isaac gives to Jacob when he thinks it's Esau. Okay. Okay, so the blessing is this. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and abundance of grain and new wine. 
May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse, curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Okay? I will suggest to us today that this is not the, the promise that God made to Abraham and Isaac and, and uh, Isaac thinks he's passing this down to Jacob. This is the birthright blessing. The birthright and the covenant promise are not the same thing. Birthrights were given to every firstborn. Uh, a promise of, uh, of well-being, of, of inheritance, uh, of power, things of that nature. You'll notice that even though you do hear a little bit like, uh, cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you, there is no promise here of descendants, no promise of a land, okay, and no promise of being a blessing to the nations of the earth. Okay? So that's important. This is simply a, ble- a birthright of blessing. Okay? And the reason I say that is, is that this is not a mistake. It's not like Esau was supposed to be the child of promise, but uh, Isaac pulled the rug out from under him. No. Now, uh, before I continue, it's important to know and for us to remember that at the very beginning, when Rebecca is pregnant... And, you know, she's feeling like uh, uneasiness uh, in the womb. And she's, she's crying out, why is this happening to me? Right? Remember what she's told by God. Right? Uh, you have, uh, whoops. Uh, oh, two nations are in your womb. Uh, there it is. Okay, in chapter 25, in verse 23, right? She, uh, in verse 22, uh, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is so, why am I this way? Right? So she went to inquire the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. The one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay? Which is the opposite of the traditional birthright. Okay? And so the older will serve the younger. Jacob is the, the promised heir from the, from the beginning. We're told that from the beginning. So we have that. Now there's more. In chapter 28, it's very interesting when we read the beginning here. Now, now Jacob, uh, Isaac knows you know, who's who, right? And, uh, and uh, uh, Esau hates his brother, and wants to kill him. So that's another thing we know about Esau. Kind of like Cain, you know? He has evil in his heart. He has murder in his heart. Boy, he hates the birthright, right? He uh, marries Hittite women, disappointment to his parents, and he has hate in his heart. Hmm, okay. This is w- and then we have the narratives where Jacob uh, desires the blessing uh, and but we see that it seems to be like this. There's uh, questionable issues about the way he's conducting himself. Yet the narrator seems to be accentuating Esau is bad. Esau is bad. Okay. So now in chapter 28, so Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him 
and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So you see, Isaac and Rebekah, they don't want uh, Esau to kill uh, his brother, so they're going to send him off to the old country now to go and find a wife. So uh, Isaac says to Jacob, he knows it's Jacob, Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother, Uncle Laban. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply that you may become a company of peoples. And look at the next verse. And may he also give you, what? The blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham that you don't read in the blessing of Isaac to Esau, that he thinks is Esau, that he th- that of the birthright. This is the promise of the covenant. This is the promise that God gave to Abraham and is reiterated to Isaac. And now Isaac, who knows he's looking at Jacob, tells him, may God bless you with the blessing of Abraham, with many descendants and with the land. Okay? Very important. Now, when I, uh, as this passage moves on, we come to uh, verse, verse 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 28. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take to himself a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he charged him saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Notice the way Jacob is portrayed very positively. But then notice the, verse, the next verse, verse 8. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, the ones who were Hittites, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of uh, Nobayath. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went to Haran. So we see that Esau, the rebellious son, Jacob, the son uh, who cares about the land, that wants the birthright, the son who receives the blessing of Abraham, and now he's about to leave the land. He's leaving the land of promise. But now, at the beginning of this week's portion, he has an encounter with God. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, and I will give it to you and to your descendants. See, this is the promise of Abraham that Isaac mentioned uh, uh, just above. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth, 
and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And then what do we read? And in you and your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so we see here that Jacob is indeed and supposed to be the recipient of the promise, of the covenantal promise. Descendants, the land, the promised land, right? And to be a blessing to the nations of the earth, hence the chosen people, okay? Then we read, And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Okay, we can stop there. Okay, all right. So you have two things going on. You have the, uh, the explanations given to us about how bad Esau is and how blessed Jacob is. And then we have the stories themselves, which kind of lead to interesting conversations about, well, well, you know, did, why did Jacob say that? And, and why did he seem to have so much uh, difficulty uh, in the land? Well, it's very interesting because you see what, who Jacob really is. He is the paradigm. Remember what his name later on gets changed, right? To Israel, right? And his name is Israel. Boy, what a blessing it turns out Jacob, Jacob is. He certainly gets a country named after him, right? We are called not the sons of, uh, throughout the Bible, the sons of Abraham or the sons of Isaac, sons of Israel, the land of Israel. And so Jacob is this paradigm of the history of the Jewish people. Blessed of God, blessed of God, but as history plays out, it's full of struggles. Full of struggles from the get-go to this day and continuing. And it's very interesting, when you come to this week's Haf Torah portion, it's important that we understand what's, um, what's happening here. If you look in Hosea, chapter 12, Hosea is good news and bad news, right? Hosea uh, talks about how Israel is like the wife of God, but who has had other lovers. God loves, loves Israel. Uh, God loves Judah. God loves the Jewish people, but his heart is broken because of idolatry. Uh, and therefore, you know, he laments uh, when you look at, um, I, I, for example, in the in earlier chapter, in chapter 11, when Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals. And, and burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. And he goes on, and, and God talks about his broken heart. You see in verse 8 of chapter 11, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? And so there is this angst on the part of God because he loves them, and he uses the metaphor of a wife and of a child. You know, the, the two greatest loves a man uh, could have, his wife and his children, right? And so that is how Israel is depicted. And God's heart is indeed broken because of their sins. And he knows that chastisement and judgment must come, yet he still loves them. And so we read in chapter 12, the Lord, uh, the Lord also has a dispute with Judah. 
and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke to us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord it is his name. Therefore, return to your God. Observe kindness and justice, and wait for your God continually. In other words, this is hundreds and hundreds of years later. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, and God is referring to the nation as Jacob. And, he's, and he is using the history from the Torah portion from last week and this week and next week as like a picture of the Jewish people way later in, in history who are in covenant relationship with God but are, uh, and, and may not have bad intentions, but you know, are, is working things out in such a way that it's bringing great convulsions uh, and struggle. And indeed, Jacob's life is a struggle uh, all the way through. Think about it even later on, right? Uh, even after he, uh, you know, he stays in, uh, in Mesopotamia a much longer period of time so we can have Rachel, his wife, right? He does come back and, and he's reunited with, uh, with Esau. But then the next thing you know, uh, he thinks for a long period of time that his son Joseph is dead, right? Uh, and uh, and it, it takes a long time for him to uh, go to Egypt and be reunited in his old age, uh, practically on his deathbed. He's had problems his whole life. Blessed, loved by God, in covenant relationship, his brother is totally undeserving and evil and portrayed that way. In the Bible, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. And frankly, if you go on in the uh, rabbinic literature, Esau is always like uh, the Romans or the devil. You know, that's, that's how Esau is, uh, is portrayed. Uh, and it's important because that's how the text shows him. Not necessarily what, how we uh, decide what Jacob is, but how the text portrays him as a blessed man who, who made right choices and wrong choices like ourselves, like our people, right? Still the chosen people, but yet we could point to lots of aspects of our history uh, that are very troubling, right? Uh, and so it's important to understand that yet we are still in covenant relationships. So now having said that, let's go back for a few moments here to Genesis, and look at this blessing that God blesses him with, with this vision of the ladder and of the angels going up and down uh, the ladder. Okay? So Jacob is, uh, you know, think about it. He's sort of, a, he's alone. He's by himself. Uh, he's about uh, ready to leave the land. He has to leave his father and his mother. He knows his brother is out to kill him. That's a pretty bad, that's a bad way to be, right? So he goes on a day's journey, and now he falls asleep. And it's interesting. See, God doesn't say, well, that's another fine mess you've gotten us into, Jacob. You know, way to go. It didn't have to be this way. No, what God says only is, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bring you back, okay? 
So what did, but let's look at it carefully. All right, so uh, here, he comes, he comes to a certain place, he lays down, uh, and it says he has a dream. And so there's this ladder set up on earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God going up and down on it, and God is above the ladder, okay? And he sees the angels going up and down the ladder, right? Well, all kinds of things could be said about the ladder, but just from our reading of, of the text, we see that the ladder seems to be the way from, uh, uh, the, from Jacob to God and angels, are going up and down. They come down. The, they come down to Jacob. They return. Uh, they return. Uh, they return back up, right? Uh, and and then, of course, as I said, he identifies himself as the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, uh, and he tells him the promise of the land and so on. But he says, "I am with you and will keep you wherever you go." In other words, you're leaving the land, but don't worry. I'm going to be with you. I'm going with you, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And so we know that when he goes uh, on and he meets up with, uh, he finds Rachel, and then he works for seven years, and then he thinks he's getting his wife, but instead he gets his wife's sister, and then he has to work another seven years, and then there's the issue of all kinds of different kinds of cows uh, and all of that. We won't take the time now, but if you read this portion carefully, sprinkled all the way through it, we read about how God is with Jacob, about how God is with Jacob all, the whole time, see? Uh, and, 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 so, and, and it's interesting that Jacob does not rebel. Uh, he works another seven years, you know? Uh, he suffers, right? Uh, we like to often accentuate, yeah, he got what he deserved, but that's not the way the text speaks to us. It's the way oftentimes we interpret it. But that is not what the text is basically saying. It's saying that throughout all of this tumult, God never leaves Jacob. And he indeed brings him back and brings reconciliation uh, with, uh, with, his, uh, with his brother. So this, uh, this stairway, of course, this ladder is very interesting, you know, uh, what do I think of? And I'm sure maybe some of you think of this also, of uh, the song, right? Stairway to Heaven, right? Uh, there you go. And, uh, I, I, you know, in the lyrics of, uh, of the song, it says this, right? Now, don't, bring in, break, don't break into song, please, okay? There's a lady we all know who shines white light and wants to show how everything still turns to gold. And if you listen very hard, the tune will come to you at last when all are one and one is all. And so it's about an escape, right? About a stairway to heaven, uh, leaving the, uh, the, the cares of this world, the trauma of this world. And, uh, and uh, it seems to be defined, the stairway or a ladder seems to be defined as the road to peace, satisfaction, and tranquility. And one of the things uh, that we know is that um, most certainly in the song, uh, what really led, uh, 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 it's chemicals that lead to uh, the, uh, that, that feeling of that stairway, but we know that that doesn't really, that doesn't really last, uh, and, it, and it isn't real or provide something of, 
of, uh, of substance. Uh, and that uh, God, by giving him this vision, shows that he'll never leave him, and that there is a way, uh, indeed, uh, uh, to God. Now, it is very interesting that when you come to the New Covenant, that there is a passage, not the one that we read today, but a similar one, in uh, the Gospel of uh, John, in the first chapter, where we read about Yeshua calling his disciples. Okay? Yeshua is calling his disciples. Uh, and he says, at the very end of chapter 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Clearly, Yeshua takes the story of the latter and applies it to himself in a very simple way. That he is the latter. That he provides the way. That's why he says in another place, he is the way. He is the derech Adonai. He is the way of the Lord. He provides the way to God. As Jacob had the assurance uh, that the angels would protect him going up and down that ladder to God, Yeshua is saying, I'm the ladder. Okay? Uh, and he identifies himself here in a very interesting way. He calls himself the Son of Man. Son of Man. Very important words. Okay? Because it tells us how Yeshua understood himself. He understood himself as the Son of Man, as written about in the Tanakh, in the book uh, of Daniel, where we read uh, about a vision that Daniel has. And what does he see? First he sees the, a vision of God, the Ancient of Days, sitting on his throne. And then it says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, like one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed." Those are very interesting verses because in the years in between the book of Daniel and, the, and when Yeshua came, there was no small discussion about this son of man in Daniel. Who could this son of man be? Is he the children of Israel? Uh, is he like a secondary God? Because here you have the ancient of days, but then you have this one called the son of man who's going to receive worship. This is in the Jewish Bible, and Jewish interpreters uh, and commentators and, and, uh, and religious leaders were scratching their head about who is this Son of Man. And this is indeed who Yeshua understood himself to be, the Son of Man, one who comes like a man. He is indeed a man, the very enfleshment of God. He gave clarity to this passage. Something that never happened before and that will never happen again, never, never happen again. It is a miracle of God, the presence of God in Yeshua uh, in this life. And Yeshua lived in such a way uh, that he did not openly 
uh, openly demonstrate uh, the fact that he is the, the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Uh, he came as a humble servant, and he died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, which was necessary for him to be able to come as this one in the clouds uh, to have dominion over, uh, over the earth. So toward the end of his life, this was at the beginning of, his, uh, of the three-year uh, ministry of Yeshua when he says this, but toward the very end of it, he says something very interesting. Uh, and he tells a story. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but, but uh, he tells a story about a man who goes on a journey and leaves a bunch of money with, uh, with his servants, right? Uh, and he wants them to use every opportunity that they can find to do something with this money. So then he returns, right? Uh, and he has... Uh, one who uh, invested it a little bit and made, made uh, some money. He has one who just buried it because he didn't want to lose it, and he gives it back to him. To that one, he says, Woe unto you! Get away from me! Right? But then who's presented to him? The one who makes great investments and makes the most with, uh, with that money. Right? And he says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. To you who have been, have been given little, much more will be given unto you. Right? Go and rejoice in the presence of your, of your master. Right? So it's very interesting because I, what he uh, uh, says at the end of this is, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And so, these stories or parables are about what will happen when the Son of Man comes in His glory. When, you sh when the consummation comes, that the question will be, so what did we do? What did we do with all that God has given us? Did we use every opportunity? And the primary opportunity is, of course, to be right with God. The primary opportunity is, of course, to make sure that we embrace the latter, that we embrace the one who gives us relationship with God, the one who is indeed the very enfleshment with God, the one who is indeed the Son of Man. And so uh, we see here that uh, in the story of Jacob and this latter, we see how Yeshua takes the story and identifies himself as, as he says, just like that just like the latter was from Jacob to God, so I am, uh, I am the way. I am the latter. And how is he the latter? Because he took our sins on himself. The Son of Man took our sins on himself so that we could now be forgiven and cleansed and have a clear path to the presence uh, of a God. And that is the great promise uh, that he gives to us. And so the question for us as we close today uh, is, so what are we doing? Are we looking for every opportunity that we have to serve a God? Uh, have we uh, taken every opportunity to make sure that we're right with God? That we have the assurance of being, uh, having that clear path uh, uh, to God? Have we confessed our sins? Have we embraced the one who gives us 
new life in him. That is, of course, Yeshua. And so, uh, with those thoughts, uh, may we go to God this morning recognizing that in the vicissitudes of life, in all the stuff that happens, like Jacob, Israel is indeed uh, the chosen people, that there is the promise of blessing. And God has indeed provided the promise of blessing in Messiah Yeshua. Remember what I said earlier in the history book in the Brit Chadashah, the Acts of the Apostles? That the coming of Yeshua is called the promise made to our fathers. The promise of our fathers. Yeshua has come to be that blessing in our lives. And the day will come when indeed uh, the Son of Man will be visible to all. Uh, and, uh, and there will indeed be that time when all the nations will come to Jerusalem and worship the King, the Lord of hosts. But God has indeed blessed us with the coming of Yeshua. And in Yeshua, God has sustained our people through all of the, uh, the tough things that have gone on. But may we remember the promise of that covenant just like he made to Jacob. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But may we embrace the promise of Messiah Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you today for not just the vision of a ladder and of a promise, but of a fulfillment of promise that indeed the Messiah has come and, and his name is Yeshua. And that Yeshua said, just like Jacob, I am indeed the ladder. And I pray, God, for each of us that we might not be like the song and look for all kinds of ways up the ladder, whether it be chemically induced or materially induced, our career, family, children, things, accomplishments, or religious activity, how many prayers, how many services, how much I volunteered. For Lord, we know that in the end, all of that, no, I should say none of that leads to the satisfaction of knowing that we are right with you. May we enter the way, the derech Adonai, the way of the Lord in Yeshua. And may we realize that in him is indeed the presence of God. In him is the satisfaction. In him is the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David, and, and the prophets. Lord, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness to our people today and for your faithfulness in the future. We look forward to that day, indeed, when the Son of Man does come riding in the clouds. And we pray in Messiah's name.